No time to waste. There's one topic and one topic only this week before we get to our spot in the shade line, which is popping off this week. But it is your Philadelphia Phillies. They're headed to the World Series, baby. Let's fucking go. Welcome back, everybody, and congrats on the NL pennant. Hard to believe, very hard to believe, but it's so great. It's it's so nice. Nice long playoff baseball run in the midst of a 6-0 start for the Birds, but it's all Phillies today, tonight on episode 67 of Thoughts from the Shade. Don't forget, wherever you're listening, subscribe, like, review, rate, five stars, whatever you got to do. Uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We certainly appreciate it, but I'll just throw it off or throw it over right off the bat to my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, Bomb. Three for three at the bank this weekend, man. I I talked to you yesterday. You were ready to go. I actually wasn't ready to go, um, but World Series need need the full juice, but how are you holding up after three straight days at the bank and three straight victories, bringing this team its first pennant in what thirteen years? Yeah, it's been a while. Feel feel good. The uh, the voice is slowly recovering. I uh, had a rough go go at it on Monday at work on all the zooms and the teams and what have you. A lot of uh, you know uh, text only text only work, but uh, we had we had to be there for the boys. We had to be at the bank. Um, electric atmosphere. Baseball's back in South Philadelphia. I mean, let's go. Yeah, I, dude, like, I don't even know how to process this because it's such a long, long year. It's a long grind. We we talked in the spring and the early summer. Like I said, let, let's talk when we get to, what, ten, five, ten games over 500. They make a nice little run without Harper, you know, behind the lead of Topper. Then they kind of stumble down the stretch, and I'm just like, might be a quick exit, but the improbable just continues to happen for this team since the beginning of the year. Um, And it's just, I got to say it. I know everybody's saying it, but it just feels like a team of destiny, man. Wow. Wow. And they have a song, too. I mean, just like the Eagles and 17 underdogs, they got a song. Yeah. Well, vibe accurate. We'll, we'll, we'll address the song later. I get to, I get to, to channel and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess review or, or make sure that the spot in the shade calls are okay in advance here. And, uh, yeah, we, we've got a call tonight about a song. Uh, we've got a call about one of our pregame uh, festivities or rituals or traditions. And then we've got a call, uh, not about the Phillies, but but we'll get to that as well. But, man, I mean, you did a great job taking taking uh, some footage, some content of the, of the pregame festivities going down, going on down at the bank. I mean, you, you just got to fill us in about the whole weekend, the whole – Experience. I mean, everybody. Everybody watched the games, right? We don't. We don't need to do the game by game breakdown. I'm just shocked that like we did the podcast on Monday last week. Game one was what Tuesday or Wednesday, and we're already through to to the World Series and have a game one in the World Series on Friday. 
Here's what I'll say just broadly before we even get to the series, before we even get to the bank. I just want to say, like, your boy Bomb and G, we gave you that that um, preseason future. We told you to sprinkle plus 2,500. We gave it to you before the start of the playoffs. When I went up to plus 3,300 and I was talking about how Bomb got gypped, so we doubled down. Now, I'm not smart enough to ride it all the way to the World Series. I sold out uh, in the Atlanta series, and then I bet uh, the Padres series I'm going to bet the Astros series, but don't say we never did anything for you. We, we gave you basically two tickets, cash out value. You could probably cash them out and go down to each, each World Series game right now. Um, in terms of the NLCS, now, gee, you know, you, you, were, uh, you were a little younger than me, right? And then you were a, a state college guy. I, I went to college in the city of Philadelphia, uh, for better or for worse. And I just remember those... 08, 09, 2010, 2011 teams, a lot of tailgating, a lot of drinking. You get back to campus, uh, the playoff atmosphere is, is ratcheted up. And from basically August through the end of October, you are really, you know, putting a hurting on the liver, putting a, putting a hurting on the gut. And, uh, man, I mean, that, that feeling is back. There, were, there was juice down at the ballpark, juice down in South Philly, uh, we, I don't think we had Xfinity back then, um, but long and the short of it was, I mean, you walk, you walk past Xfinity and you cross right near Citizens Bank Park. The line was going all the way basically to Broad Street. That's how far back the line was. So I did I hear know, that down, down to the trains, right? Unbelievable. And like, I'll just say it, you know, if you're, if you're 22 through 26 and you're a, a, a single guy in Philadelphia and you're down there to have a good time or what have you, like if you're not scooping and scoring like, like Scott Hartnell stuffing home the trash, you know, after a Phillies win down there, I don't, I really, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, the, 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 the pickings were real tons of talent. You could talk about the, the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, what do we call them? The, uh, you know, the gang that's down there to tailgate. The teeny boppers? Yeah, I mean, they were a little older than teeny boppers because they were 21 plus. But, uh, yeah, everyone's everyone's on this bandwagon. You know, uh, uh, boys, girls, old men, little kids, everybody's on the bandwagon. Everybody's down there to have a good time. It was electric. Fan, I feel like fan of the week had to be the guy that spiked the beer after the Harper home run in game five. I don't, I don't know if you'd call it that, the guy out in left field. I think he was I think he was first row on the fence there, kind of where he hit that ball. And the guy just robbed Gronkowski, spikes the beer <laughs> when that ball leaves the yard. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned Scott Hartnell because, you know, picking up, picking up the trash in front of the net, but the guy also fell down a lot. So I'm not sure if you saw a lot of people, you know, who were overserved f- falling down and maybe not capitalizing on a scoring chance. But, um, yeah, I mean, what a series. Like, I feel like – so I guess maybe the, a good question or a good place to start with, with this team is, you know, that now that now that we made it, like, you, you got to believe there's a chance, right? Like, if you don't believe now, then – I can't help you. And I'm, you know, maybe I'm a little late, a little late to this party, but like when was the the play or the moment or the game that kind of gave you the, all right, we, we've got something going here. Like I talked uh, the week after the wild card round about that ninth inning comeback against St. Louis. Um, we talked last week kind of about how they took the punch from the Braves in game two and then came home and won game three. They did the same thing in this series. Like, I feel like game three in every series 
thus far has just been that moment where you're just like, all right, these guys, you know, they, they, they took a blow from the opponent and from good opponents that they've played and they just continue to bounce back and continue to roll, whether it's better pitching or the bats get hot. It Whatever has happened to them in these games, they just always have an answer. So, like, I would say game three of both series, I'm like, that th- those have been the turning points for me where I'm like, yeah, they're going to win the series. Yeah, I mean, I I had a really good feeling about this team when I was sitting on my couch watching that ninth inning at St. Louis. Um, the way they worked that pitcher and just basically allowed him to make mistakes. And when they put up the six spot, I mean, I was sitting here thinking to myself, oh, my God, I mean, this is this these vibes are are, are are making me think of that you know that historic Phillies team 08 through 11 um, and it's the same playbook it's the same recipe you win game one on the road right you get you you guarantee the split even in the the brave series right they, they had a chance to win that game they, they butchered some plays in the field with Hoskins and Wheeler had a good start up until that. Um, you know, same with the Padres, right? The Padres series, they, they had a chance to go up 2-0. They didn't get it done, but then they come home in front of the, in front of the, the raucous crowd. And I, I don't know if I told you, I told a lot of people when I was going down there, I said, this game's not going back to San Diego. When, when I was approached with tickets for Sunday, I said, that's a clincher. That'll be, in my, in my words, I said, Sunday, this is before the series started, Sunday will be the coronation. The coronation. And that's exactly what it was with Harper. Um, the last time I had a feeling in a stadium, uh, like 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 it was on Sunday, so they're down, right? The Padres kind of get this opportunistic wild pitch. They take a lead. Phillies kind of really caught some bad breaks. It was similar to that 08 World Series where it's like MLB waited for the Rays to tie the game, then they paused the game. You know, it was really bizarre to me that the grounds crew kept coming out when the Phillies were getting ready to go hit for their half of the inning, and it's like the field was slop when they're in the field. Phillies in the field, and then they go out and fix it up for the Padres, you know, who are used to immaculate conditions. I, I thought that was a little bizarre, but Padres take the lead. And I just remember the eighth inning, like, there there was no panic in the stadium. I, I, and the last time I felt that way, and in fact, there was a little bit of panic in 09. But by and large, when when they had Broxton on the hill, when, when the Dodgers had Broxton on the hill and he's facing J-Roll, even with two outs, I mean – there weren't too many people that left, and a lot of people thought there's no way this team is going down without a fight. And that's the same feeling that I think the stadium had on Sunday. You know, Real Muto leads it off with the hit. Harper comes up. I'm looking at the bullpen thinking, when's Hader coming in? Haven't seen him in three games. He's on full rest. He's getting loose. And not only do they not bring him in, G, they pitch to Harper. It, it is unbelievable that they're not treating this guy like steroid era Barry Bonds. I'm in shock. I don't know what to say, but uh, it does feel like this team has something special going. And and to your point, I really feel like they can get the job done here. Yeah, the Astros will be a tall task. But, yeah, you talk about Hayter. Like, I think we saw him at the end of game two, the only Padres win. And he looked pretty fucking good, you know, throwing gas. He's a big-ass lefty, intimidating as hell. Uh, And not only that, they, they don't bring him in to pitch to Harper. They do pitch to Harper. Um, and, th- and then what? They got some some base runners in the in the ninth, first and second, one out, and they decide to just lay one down and, and give that up. So, like, I mean, you, you can go way you, – you go way back to the start of the season. You could talk about, you know, going over the luxury tax. You could talk about 
this year being the first year that they went over the luxury tax and the first year that the DH rule, um, you can go all the way back to the beginning of the season, but just so many breaks fall in this team's way. And that's, that's not to take anything from them. It's just like to, to go on any run in any sport, like you got to get the breaks and, and the ones that we're getting are just like, they're, they're perfect. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting at the bar at, at Lulu country club, uh, after a tough weekend of golf and, you know, Bryce Harper steps up to that plate and it's, it's like something like from a dream almost like the guy, you know, they zoom in on his face. He's staring at the pitcher. He's so dialed and he's found these pitches off. You can just kind of feel it coming. And then he hits that ball and it's opposite field. So you can't really tell on TV if it's completely crushed, but he just kind of slowly like looks at it, starts the walk and the, the camera pans to left field and it's just pandemonium. Everybody was going nuts. We had guys working downstairs in the pro shop. They come up, what the hell's going on? Well, they knew it was going on, but they're like, it was shaking downstairs. Like that's just like a moment that you'll never forget where you were. I mean, you, you were in the best place, but I mean, for, for any fan that, that wasn't in the building, like that's, that that's an all time moment from what is now probably an all time Philly athlete. Um, especially, especially if he, if, if we get this, this world series dub, uh, but just an, an unforgettable thing that'll stay with you for life. I feel like last time I heard that, that the state, the stadium that loud, and I'm including the link in this too. And I I don't think the link is great for acoustics or fan experience. And maybe it's a little bit unfair because that NFC championship game was, was a blowout. So you didn't really have that. Like, I think the flea flicker was kind of like that moment when they ran that flea flicker and kind of went up big. But last time I heard a stadium that loud was the J-Roll walk-off. And how poetic is it that 29 years to the day of the Joe Carter walk-off three-run homer, Harper uh, uh, does it for the Phillies this time. There have been five go-ahead home runs in postseason history while trailing in the eighth or later in league championship round or World Series clincher games. The last one was Joe Carter. Before that, you go back to the NLCS game six, Jack Clark. 75, Pete Rose did it for the Reds. 1960, Hal Smith did it in the World Series. So, I mean, pretty rare, rare company. And the fact that it bookends it with, uh, uh, you know, Joe Carter, twenty nine years ago to the day, and then Harper doing it for for the, for the good guys this time. I mean, unbelievable. I thought I'd seen that 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 type of home run had never happened. Like the ones you mentioned, were they just to take the lead? Like because I think Harper's was maybe the only one that was when they were trailing. Like those home runs might have been when they were tied. I don't know. You you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I I thought I read yeah, all, I was reading that stuff were, too. All of those were go ahead homers while trailing in the eighth or later. Okay. Maybe it was in a clincher or something, but um, now just unbelievable. And the whole series, it, it's a different story every game. Game one, it's it's we it's the Wheeler show and the Darvish show, and and the Phillies get the best of him. And I know I said earlier in the playoffs how uh, Smoltz and Davis were doing a nice job for Fox. I mean, I mean Smoltz is telling you game one that you Darvish is like pitching as well as Zach Wheeler. He just just had one little mistake. It's like, yeah, well, those mistakes cost you the game, pal. Um, game two, 
obviously not Nola's best stuff. Uh, I think they left him in there too long. And then, and then Brad Hand. Uh, my new slogan for the playoffs for the remainder of this run is ABH. Anybody but Hand. We can't see that guy again. He, he blew it in game two. Blew it in game four. Had, had to rescue him out of there. Um, and then I thought I thought the big story Friday was Gene Segura, man. Like, he, he botches that double play ball. Then And I'm watching the game with my old man, and he says – he says when that error is made, he's like, Segura's a good player. He'll make up for it. And sure as shit he did, you know, gets, gets the hit to put the Phillies ahead, and it was the game-winning runs there. Um, and then- More history. I mean, the first time in postseason history that a guy drives in a run, makes an error, and gets picked off in the same inning. Yeah, he did get picked off, too. That was a tough look after the redemption, but all good. Uh, and then – you know, Saturday is like an all-hands-on-deck. Falter gets knocked around a little bit. Reese is lighting it up. The bats come alive. You, you get some some good innings out of a lot of guys in the bullpen. And then Sunday is just your classic, like, the the two guys you brought here for this reason, Wheeler and Harper, uh, they just deliver in the, in the biggest moment. So it's – like, I'm speechless. I don't even know what to believe. It's, it's honest – honestly – I don't know how you feel because you've been in the building, but it's honestly so hard to believe what I've been watching. It's because you weren't down there. I mean, if you – it's so hard to describe because it's the opposite of every Philadelphia experience except for the teams that win it. Like in 08, even in 09, I mean, what are you going to do? You ran up against a buzzsaw Yankees team, but you still had that fundamental belief up until the last out. Um the Eagles team, Foles comes in, and you just had this like weird, eerie belief that in the biggest moments, when it matters the most, they're gonna they're gonna get it done, right? Like the the fourth and six to Ertz with like six minutes left, like they're going for it. Nobody questions it. We're just like, you know what? We're just gonna get this done. Like that's those are the feelings that when 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 you're in the building last weekend, where there was just even when they were down four nothing in Game Four. I felt no panic. I'm like, wow, great. Four runs. We're, we know what we got to do. And, and next thing you know, Hoskins is up there bumping a two-run homer, um, you know, to get something back. So, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, it all it all has to do with how you jump out and kind of that first game on the road. And they're going to have to do that again in the World Series. But this team, I mean, pretty special uh, between the power uh, in the bats, the power coming out of the bullpen. And then just some of the plays that, that these guys are making in, in big moments. That, that's what you need to win. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so remarkable to to, to see them go down 4-0 or 6-4, whatever it is. And that that's later in the game. And they just strike right back. Like, they're, they're, they're never dead. Like, in the spirit of Halloween, they're like, they're like uh, what's his name, Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers. Like, you, you, that's how they are right now. You, you literally just can't kill them. Um but yeah, it's another situation where now they go on to play the Astros, and it does feel like they are going up against the buzzsaw uh, kind of uh, of the league, right? Se- second in wins in the regular season, uh, you know, most in the American League. Uh, I think this is their fourth World Series appearance in six years. Uh, two two L's though, two L's and one dub when they were trash cannon and stealing signs. So. Be a tough series, um, but yeah, they, they they are going to have to field better for sure because I, I think I saw that 
Houston has the second uh, best strikeout rate, or yeah, I guess it's best. They they don't strike out a lot, right? They 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 put the ball in play a ton. Um, so you know, Reese Hoskins is gonna have to check check the glove before he leaves the dugout. Uh, Gene's gonna have to shore it up, you know, on, on his one one faulty play there in Game Three. But you gotta believe, man. We we've been saying it the last couple of weeks. It's just they've they've caught they've caught lightning in a bottle. And that would ultimately be put to the to the biggest test yet. And I, I mean, I, I also it would be remiss if we don't don't talk about the manager. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, we you know they can Girardi and Thompson did all this, do, did all that, and um, you know got the guys to believe. But it, it at this stage of the season, it's beyond just belief. Um, aside from like the hand bring bringing hand in. Every move this guy has made has worked. Um, the last pitcher to have to, to win as a starter and have a save in the same postseason series uh, was uh, in, in in the league championship series or later was uh, Bumgarner in fourteen. Um, in the NLCS, uh, Oral Hershiser did it in eighty eight. Catfish Hunter did it in the World Series in seventy four. Jack Billingham did it in 72. So, like, big names, monster names. And you got Ranger motherfucking Suarez, like, ice water in his veins. Gee, I'm watching this guy warm up. So you see Robertson just, like, spinning sliders. Obviously, it was tough conditions. But clearly something wasn't clicking with him. I look out in the bullpen. Big 55's up, the lefty. And people were saying, oh, uh, who who are they bringing in? And it's fucking Ranger. And... The bullpen door swings open. They're bumping, uh, you know, Mr. Rager. Kid Cuddy. And Kid Cuddy. And Ranger Suarez is in a jog, but it's not really a jog. He is moving about the same speed as Phil Mickelson up the 18th hole on like a Masters Sunday or like a U.S. Open Sunday with like a five-stroke lead. Just like it looked like he was like strutting down a fairway, giving everybody a thumbs up, like having a good time. The guy wasn't rattled at all. I mean, it was unbelievable. And he comes in, he fields his position, <laughs> and gets it out. And it was like nobody's business. And then they show him after the game, you know, his teammates are going nuts and Rangers just going nuts. I mean, it's those types of things that make you believe this team has what it takes to do it and finish the job because like, where else do you see that? I mean, that, that type of performance is just so legendary. Dude, for him to come come cold out of the pen, I mean, not cold, you get loose, right? But it's a shitty day. It's raining. And then this guy lays down a fucking bunt in the ninth inning yeah. with two guys on, and you got to get on your horse and field that ball and throw a strike to first. He made he made it look routine, man. So, you know, may, maybe if his, if his arm goes awry, he's got a, he's got a spot at first base uh, for, for Reese next year if he can – if you can get if you can get the back going, but you talk about Topper and and the moves, like I really thought it was interesting in Game Three. I think they brought in Alvarado for the seventh, and maybe Sir Anthony for the eighth, and then I don't know. I think Sir Anthony had the two out the two out closeout or save whatever he got on Friday. But uh, earlier in the game, like I think Ranger got through five on Friday, and. You know, when they went to Alvarado kind of early, they went to Sir Anthony kind of early. Smoltz was kind of saying how Thompson was being, like, super aggressive. And, like, I don't even know if he was, you know, it, it felt to me like he was almost calling Thompson desperate 
That's how it felt to me. Maybe he wasn't, but he was like he was very uh, infatuated with with the moves that Thompson was making, and I don't think he he didn't he didn't sound too in favor of them, but he wasn't like too against them. But it gave me the vibe that he he thought it felt desperate, but like that's the game you gotta have when it's one to one and you get home, and you know none of the pitching decisions rotations they they haven't been consistent they haven't been conventional but they've all worked out pretty much you know aside from from bringing in abh um but you you only have so many arms and and you can't get it perfect every time but you know to to kind of go wayside from the traditional like formula of the you know middle relief setup closer and just putting guys in spots to get outs i mean he's he thompson's been incredible yeah, part of it is, right, he doesn't have, like, a Mariano Rivera to just, like, lock down a ninth or, like, an eighth. But to make those moves, I and I have to I have to really give – I have to give so much credit here. You know, you hear me honk out on Lurie and Roseman. I mean, it's a simple thing. It's a small thing. And everyone's going to say, Bob, what are you talking about? Why are you fawning over this decision? Um because it's so obvious they were going to do it anyway. But for Dave Dombrowski and John Middleton to draw a line in the sand before the postseason and say, hey, Topper, we don't care that you don't want to talk about a contract right now. We are we are removing the interim tag. We are naming you the manager. We're giving you a contract for the next two years. I mean, I don't think Thompson wanted that. I think he wanted to kind of just focus on the team. It's clear the guys love the guy, love playing for him. But – that small move, which may seem obvious to, to, the, to the fan, what that does is that that's a vote of confidence for the manager to do whatever the fuck he thinks is in the best interest of the team. And I don't think Thompson is this kind of guy where like an interim tag or, or, or not having a long-term deal is going to affect the decisions that he makes. But don't think that's something that's not subconscious. Where he gets that deal, he's now the manager, he is the guy. And now he has the mental kind of capacity to say, I don't give a fuck about tomorrow. I'm bringing in my best arms in the sixth and seventh inning to face the best pitchers or best hitters. Because if we get through this part of the lineup, I'll figure it out at the end of the game. We'll figure it out tomorrow for whoever the hell is going to be available to pitch. I mean, I think it's a very small thing, but I haven't heard anyone really talk about it. And I think it's been instrumental in how he's managed some of these games. He's had free reign and, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, again, you look you look to the Bryce Harper home run, kind of the moment of the playoff so far, and, and the Astros just have Hader chilling in the bullpen. You know, their best guy, their their big big hard throwing lefty, and he's ready for today. He yeah. can come in tonight. Yeah, he can pitch tonight. Like, but no, I'm you you said it so well. Um, I don't know who who said it, kind of in the post game celebrations, but it might have been Castellanos or one of the players just talked about how like when Harper went down. Um, you know how they they really leaned on Thompson and like his leadership. You know he 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 drove the bus, steered the boat through the storm there with, without Harper, and like they they really said like it it wouldn't wouldn't have been possible to to go on that run and and sustain what they were doing uh, without Thompson. And this is a guy that took took over a team that was twenty two and twenty nine through fifty fifty one games, seven games under in June. You know what? Like a third of the season in the books already, um, but yeah, t- t- for him, he he never wanted the contract or or the extension or whatever. 
He just was worried about the day. He was saying it in the dog days of July and August, and I'm sure he felt that way now. But then for for them to to give him to give him the full time job, remove the interim tag, give him the two year extension, like he's that that's just what he needs. It just it just reaffirms his belief, his philosophy, his strategies, and it, it's paid off in a big big way. And you got to give credit to to the guys up top too, Dombrowski, Middleton. Obviously, Middleton going over the luxury tax for the first time. Dombrowski bringing in the, the Schwarbers, and even though he hasn't been great, uh, the, the Castellanos, um, you know, he's had a, a couple timely hits throughout this run. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you're going to the World Series and, and nobody really expected you to, I mean, <laughs> everything went right for everybody, and that, that's kind of what happened here. And I know, I know I've been killing Reese. You know, we've been killing him all along. We'll still kill him in the field, but – he had some t- big home runs, some timely home runs in this NLCS. So got to tip the cap to him. Big hits, and that and that he he was on a three zero, a three zero pitch that he put into the seats. One of his dingers. I mean, that that shows you guys locked in. Uh, maybe to kind of even round up round out that point on Thompson. You know, if you're a loyal listener to TFTS, thoughts from the shade. You you know how much I believe that family life affects players um it affects all of us right we all have a job and you know, if you log on to your lenovo at 8 30 a.m and you're you know, everything's falling apart in your uh, your family life it's it's tough to get those you know emails out right for example um and and for the most part most of this family talk has revolved around one guy number 11 uh formerly known as deuce now on uh you know injured with a bad bad finger and how his wife has totally corrupted him, uh, Yoko Ono style. But the Phillies clinch, and Rob Thompson and his wife are on the field taking a picture, and all of the Phillies' wives and girlfriends are wearing the I Ride with Philly Rob t-shirt. And uh, according to uh, Todd Zalecki, they surprised uh, Rob Thompson's wife, Michelle, uh, by the way, another good woman, uh, with, with this surprise, and uh, she was in tears. So for the players' wives to be wearing that T-shirt, that tells you that, like, when these guys come home from a road trip or when they come home from, you know, Citizens Bank Park, particularly after they made the switch from Girardi, like they were in their the ear of their significant other saying like oh my god thank god we got rid of that fucking idiot Joe Girardi like this guy's so much better obviously winning helps the t-shirts come out they're kind of catchy and cool but i think it it speaks to how these guys feel about him and what they share in private to uh to their families totally that's what it's all about it's all about you know the chemistry the camaraderie the the, the family atmosphere and it's easy to see with all the celebrations we've been we've been getting the the inside look on with you know all, all the bottle popping and the songs and everything, um, but yeah, I mean, t- full full disclosure, full transparency with the listeners, like we just kind of came in tonight and wa- wanted to freewheel it, like I usually do some notes. So I, I hope I'm hitting everything that I wanted to say about the Phillies. I think I am, but the last thing that kind of I, I thought was awesome, reading after the game about the, the Harper home run to send into the World Series, like. Uh, you got to help me out, Bob. Who's the hitting coach? I think it's Long, something Long. Yes. 
Yeah, so Par- Harper's like going up the steps to the on on deck circle, and he looks at Long and, and says, "Let's give these people something to remember before he hits that fucking bomb to set the place off." Like, you can't make this shit up. You can't make any of this up. This this entire run. I mean, the season had its ups and downs, but when you look at the the whole picture, you you just can't make this shit up. And Bryce Harper, man, like. I know, I know my girl listens to this podcast sometimes and, and she, she enjoys it and she gives me feedback and, and I appreciate it. But, you know, Bryce Harper, you know, if, if for for whatever reason, you know, he ever wanted my girl, he could have her. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's there. The other, you know, one, one other point, too, about like, you know, even the, the experience down there. One thing the Phillies just don't get enough credit for is like, how great they are with their alumni. So Schwarber hits that mammoth home run, right, in San Diego. And, like, who's throwing out the first pitch at game three to Schwarber? It's Matt Stairs. Everybody's going nuts. The big piece comes out for game four. And then, like, game five, the Harper game, the right fielder, the, the the guy who he's now tied with for most extra base hits in the postseason, the guy who was his fucking mentor in Washington, right? Jason Worth is out there to throw the first pitch. He comes out with the fist. He, he grooves one into Harper. Harper was pissed. He actually threw it a little harder than he was expecting. Classic J-Dub is what he said after the game. <laughs> but, like, there, there's – and I know some Phillies fans are kind of angry at him because he said, oh, I hope those fans never going to have a run street ever again in the context of playing for the Nationals, which, by the way, they didn't during his tenure in Washington. But, like, the Phillies do such a good job connecting the past with the present, like, Worth being Harper's mentor in Washington, Worth kind of being the guy when Harper was, like, looking for advice on where to go, saying, like, dude, like, go to Philly. They would love you there. You're going to be a Philly. That's what he told him. It, it's It's – it is. It's almost unbelievable how good they are at it. it. It's 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 shocking, and the fans eat it up. And it's like, not not to this all can't be freaking rainbows and lollipops here on this podcast. Not to like do a one hundred and eighty, but that's what makes the home broadcast with Tom McCarthy and John Crook so infuriating. They're so good at everything, and the only thing that like holds this team, this franchise, back from like being a watchable product from April to September up to the playoffs is the broadcast. And we didn't mention, I I saw some, some content over the weekend that T-Mac was out of pocket on Saturday for game four. And, and his son who did the on-field report with Reese Hoskins in Houston when they clinched, he got married on Saturday. So I, I I'll just, I'll, I'll let you go off, but I, I'll just say this. T Mac, that's a violation as a father. Son, that's a violation as a aspiring broadcaster. And you're working for a team for that team and that and you scheduled that years, months, whatever it is in advance. They had no faith in the Phillies. And I'm not sitting here saying I did. But they, they butter you up for what, six, seven months in a row? And then they bail for the wedding? It's because they're fucking Mets fans. They're fraud Phillies fans. They're fucking Mets fans. Wow. They probably had to- Tommy Trumpets at the fucking wedding playing the song. Da, 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 da. And it, here it, comes T Mac. 
Look, it's not like the team went from 65 wins to, like, a World Series. They've been, like, around the postseason the past couple of years. Now, maybe baby T-Max scheduled it before they signed Schwarber and Castellanos and the like. But it's su- you're so right. It's such a violation. In my opinion, it's a fucking fireable offense. How could you have this scheduled? Dude, dude, December. Miss the fucking bullshit, you know, uh, A-10 basketball game that you were going to call for NBC Sports Network. <laughs> Miss that fucking game. Yeah, I don't even want to kill the sun. It's, that's all T-Mac. I mean, and he and he weasels his way on the WIP for the for the radio, and and then you're you're missing game four, the NLCS, man. Come on. And by the way, like the the amount of love that Fransky gets for these calls, like the 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 Harper home run, it's battle him at the bank. That's all. Like, that's an all timer. The solo cam on Fransky in LA, like let's just can we just rip the bandaid off? They are the TV guys moving forward. How about this? Just simulcast their voice. From the TV onto the radio. Here, I just guess what? We might be in a recession. I saved the Phillies a ton of money. There you go. Seriously, just have them simulcast their voice to both broadcasts. Wow. Yeah, you just saved the Phillies some cash. Um, I don't have anything else, and I'm not going to give a prediction on the World Series because I haven't given one this whole this whole playoff run hasn't felt right, and we're going to stick with what's working, but. Do you have anything on the Strohs and or, or a selection? I know we we've been looking at the lines. I think the series line is Astros are minus one eighty five. I want to say the Phils are somewhere in this plus one fifty plus one sixty range, and I think game one Astros are minus one sixty five. Do you have anything there on the selection bomb? Yeah, I mean, I think I I personally think it's a coin flip. So if you're going to bet the series, take the Phillies. I would consider betting game one and the series. And it's – Go ahead. Sorry, it's I, it's going to be official tomorrow, but I, I – uh, Topper spoke with somebody today uh, and said they're leaning towards Aaron Nola for game one. I Dude, I love that. I think you get you get Wheeler that extra day relative to his, his last few, you know, restful periods. Nola didn't throw uh, a second game. Last time he pitched against the Astros, he mowed him the fuck down. Like, let's get this good juju rolling here. And by the way, like, the last time the Phillies were in town, like, I wonder if the Astros had the opportunity to, like, get get serve pro in there and and, and get, get get the mops and the, the, the super vac into the visiting locker room for all the champagne that they sprayed when they clinched. Because if they walk in there and there's even a hint of that beer and champagne – Guess what? The good vibes are going to keep rolling, man. The Phillies are going to realize we came here to fucking do it again. Yeah, that's got to be sitting in the back of the mind of the Astros. Like, we let this team in, man. We, we let them in, and now here they are. Gee, and gave them a big congratulations on the scoreboard like they were a fucking charity Did team. they? Did they? I, didn't, yes. I never, I never noticed that. Congratulations the Phillies <laughs> on making the big season. Yeah, I mean, we didn't mention that either. Like, the, the new rule for the wild card, the Phillies being the last team in. Um, but, it, you know, you talked about, we talked about, you know, the team of destiny thing or the vibes or the feel, right? How about, like, be, being the team that just squeaked in, the team that two, three weeks ago nobody was really factoring in, going up against, you know, the, the cheating dynasty. It, it's it's very similar to the Eagles and the Pats in 17. This is this is just how we do it, man. We just come out of the blue and we just write a fucking storybook. 
Yeah, it's 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 just it it's almost hard to believe, um, but it would be such a good way to do it. And um, with the Eagle, I mean, if it goes to let's say the the Phillies clinch in six or seven games, obviously it's on the road. For the people who have the cash and the time to be able to fly down to Houston and go to that Eagles Texans game, party it up, hoot and holler like they're seven and zero. And then and then go directly to a World Series clincher. I mean, oh my God! Talk about like probably the most epic Philly, you know, kind of back to back weekend of all time. I see fans of Phillies doing a trip for Game One and Two. I I, I think the trip is Eagles, Texans, Phillies, Astros, and six or seven. Well, we've been closing everybody out in five, so maybe maybe that's. Maybe maybe that's factoring into to their decision, but hope, whatever whatever they decide, whatever they do, hopefully they bring some juice and bring us good luck. Now you you you're gonna give us the, the the series pick. I think I think the Padres, the NLCS. You, you said Phillies in five or six, uh, so you you don't have to yeah. give me anything firm, but I I I need something from you because we can't give, leave the people with no picks, and I can't give a pick. Yeah, Phil's winning six. I think I think uh, Houston uh, scratches out. Uh, 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 game five uh, with their backs against the wall, and then the Phils go on the road, having to win, you know, one out of two, get the job done. Um, obviously, the longer the series goes, the more favors the Astros. They're a little deeper in the pen, a few more arms at the top of the rotation. But, dude, Topper's shown it. Topper's proved it. Like, you don't have to be a great regular season team to strike some lightning in the playoffs. Um just comes down to hitting home runs at the right time, putting the ball in play, and having a couple guys in the bullpen to throw 100. Throwing that gas, man. Uh, do you want to get to your bone to pick this week? Yeah, I got a major. Yeah, let me let me tee it up for you. We'll remind everyone the thoughts from the shade, as always, is brought to you by Menard Premium Detailing, the best auto detail service in Bucks County. You can check them out on Facebook at MenardPremiumDetailing.com on YouTube and on Instagram. And you can reach them by the phone at one 833 Uh We thank them. We appreciate them. And with that, we'll bring you in for Bombs. Bone to pick of the week. It's been a minute, Bob, so I'll throw it over to you. Look, some might ask how you can have a bone when you, uh, you know, went down all three games and they, you know, finished the home sweep here, you know, and didn't lose a game at home, et cetera. But um, plenty of bones. I gave you a couple bones on little Johnny playing wiffle ball, eating ice cream like it's July. I don't think we need to rehash that. But if you haven't seen it, go on the Instagram. That's, that's, that was kind of an in-the-moment bone. But my bone uh, of the week is uh, – is with uh, you know I guess these sporting events. It's with the, the these these franchises, or is it with tradition? Gee, I'm not really sure who it's with. I'm just going to lay it out there and tell you why I'm pissed off. So you got forty five thousand four hundred people plus twenty six on the field. Um, you know, presumably all forty five thousand four hundred paid something to get into the stadium. Everybody's got their red and blue on. They hand you the red rally towels. The place is jammed. It's mobbed. It's standing room only. Man, what a scene. What makes a great picture. Except out down the third baseline in the second deck, 
right in the corner there, there's a huge section of empty seats. There's like two guys sitting in them, nobody out there. It's the press. So they're all sitting in their little club box, typing away on their MacBooks, making, I guess, $15 an hour writing for God knows who. But I, I really have to question why it is that we have this tradition of giving the press primo seats, giving the press uh, club box access, giving the press free fo- uh, fountain sodas and nachos and pretzels and pizza and funnel cakes, presumably. Um you know, why is it that every Tom, Dick, and Harry that goes to work for a living pays full freight, but these bozos who no longer even write for free, like you can't even find their articles online, like the, the assholes that are there uh, wasting space in the stadium are writing behind a paywall for the Inquirer or uh, uh, the Athletic. Uh, so I, I really have a bone with that tradition. I think... So I'm a professional, right? I go to work. I go to conferences. Like, I have to pay the fee to go to the conference, right? Like, the company pays the fee, and I have to go to the fee. And I I don't understand why these people get press passes and take up room. If you want to go write about a game, if you want to talk about a game, if you want to cover a game, how about this? Do what I did. Sit in the last fucking row, put a goddamn fucking poncho on, and recite it from memory. There's no reason you need a fucking laptop. I'm down there half bombed up. I don't need a freaking laptop. These people presumably are sober drinking freaking Pepsi or Coke. I, I, it is so infuriating, G. You told me this before we hit record, and I didn't think of it kind of until a few minutes after you told me, but it's so funny that this is your bone and that you bring this up because we had an event at, at Lulu this weekend, two-day, two-man team, and my partner, good friend of the show, uh, listener, you know, he, uh, he was at game three on Friday night. He comes in Saturday morning. He's in a little bit of rough shape, but, you know, we won't we won't get on him for that. Uh, you know, I let him drive the golf cart. He's, he's driving in every ditch and banging around and sharp turns. And by Sunday, you know, two days of playing together, I had to tell him, I said, are you still, you know, hammered from, from the Phillies game? But anyway, so he tells me he's in the Phillies game Friday night. He goes, yeah, I ended up in the San Diego Padres press box out, le- out out on the left field line. <laughs> so he was probably one of the two dickheads sitting out there. Yeah. So he had, he had like tickets. He had like bleeder tickets, and I don't. So, somebody texted him a friend or something. I don't think they worked, you know, in the press or anything. But they're just like, yeah, come down here. Like it's wide open. You can sit. So he he showed me the pictures, and it's exactly exactly the view like that you're describing, like where these seats would be, and. uh He's like, yeah, we were in there. We were sitting. It was like the club. It was like a club box. And he's like, the only thing we didn't get kicked out. They just asked us at one point, like, to get out of the seats. And and he was like, can we stay? And they told him, yeah, they just had to stand. So that that little empty spot, you know, one of our loyal listeners, one of our good friends, was able to go in there and at least try to, you know, increase the populace a hair. Yeah, I mean, good for him. But like, who's the guy enforcing the rules? Because I would say, listen, pal, did you did you pay to come in here? I did. I paid a ticket. What do you have? A little fucking press pass with the athletic? Yeah, I don't know, man. That's that's anyway, the, that's, that's, that's the bone. Yeah, that's, the bone. that's a tough look, though. You, 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 I haven't seen any of the the you know overhead eye in the sky shots, but if if there's a if there's empty seat, empty seats, it's not a good look because when we were watching the the games at Atlanta or the games at San Diego, and you see the empty seats, you're like, man, these these fans are frauds. But 
mean, we already knew that about the Padres when they had those bozos singing "That's What's In" out in San Diego before that series. That was that was tough. I don't know what what they're doing in the streets out there. What you know, what kind of uh, illegal substances are flying around San Diego? But hopefully, hopefully everybody's all right. And that was just uh, some good fun. But yeah, reminder: you can follow us on Twitter at TFTS Pod and on Instagram. At thoughts from the shade, uh, we might as well get to it. Bomb the spot in the shade line. We've got a couple calls here. Um, we'll start. We won't go in any order. We'll go in the order they came in. I said at the top, we had a, a couple couple Philly related, but we we've got one that that's gonna kind of send us on a different path, a different topic, um, but but a, a topic of off discussion here on this podcast um so let's take a listen to our spot in the shade line we always want to hear from our listeners we love when everybody gets involved gives us feedback uh gives us stuff to talk about and respond to so whenever you feel inclined you could call on friday you can call on saturday you can call during the game before the game after the game we will respond on the upcoming episode it's your spot in the shade at 215-385-5164 let's see what the people have for us this week Hey, G. Hey, Bomb. This is Chip here. Um, just wanted to call about something that's uh, been on my mind and, and been really weighing on me. And it, it's specifically it's the Penn State football program. And I'm just sick and tired of it. I know you guys addressed it on the waves. But, I, you know, it's all about this fraud, JF, at the helm. And personally, I've dealt with it way too long. And I'm just sick of it. And, I, you know, I'm moving on. I'm making a personal stand, Custer's last stand right here, and I'm making a personal investment to get this fraud out of here. I'm headed up to the Penn State Ohio State game this weekend. I've sold my tickets, my wife's tickets, my one year old's tickets. I've turned down two sets of free tickets, and I'm done. I'm not watching another game with this guy talking about making excuses when we lose to Michigan about the tunnel about everything. No, the team got pushed around like it always does. We have no heart. It all starts with leadership at the helm. Every single time. It's the definition of insanity. The same exact thing happening over and over again and expecting a different result. We have to get them out of there. We have to hold people accountable. And now you got the Hawks saying we beat Minnesota 45-17. Wake up. It's a backup quarterback in a whiteout. It's a horrible football team we just beat. Every single time, we have people making excuses, not holding people accountable. And I'm sick of it. I'm done. My season ticket, I'm not going to another game. I'm going up there. I'm tailgating. But I'm not going in. I'm not supporting this anymore. Mediocrity is not what we, as Penn State fans, should hold ourselves as a standard. And I'm done. I'm not doing it. Now, a second note. With your wallet this weekend, take out a second mortgage, go under every one of the cushions and take out every quarter and dollar you can find and put it on Ohio State minus whatever. This is a blowout bloodbath this weekend, just like it always is. Franklin's going to say 1-0, Ohio State by at least 28 points. All right, boys, thanks for hearing me out. Have a good one. God bless. Go Phillies. <laughs> Dude, we gotta we gotta clap it off for that call. That that 
I've heard all the calls for for this episode. That they're all up there. That one's that one's definitely up there. That's the best Penn State call we, we've gotten, and some some of the best Penn State talking points we've gotten. Uh, you know, out from from someone other than us. Uh, you know, we 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 could not even talk Penn State football because that that really just covered it all. That that call. That's a Penn State alumni for the record. That 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 call. Former guest uh, Chip has me like contemplating whether or not to put five grand on Ohio State, like to sell the tickets. Like, first of all, fantastic. He's going up there selling tickets. I think he needs to call the athletic department. I think he needs to call the president. I think the exact call that he had here, like we can send him the voicemail back and just like send it to them too. Send it to the AD. I was talking with somebody at the Phillies game because they, you know, they're playing, they're playing the zombie nation at the Phillies game and, you know, nobody's doing the, you know, the Penn state chant or anything. I was cracking up, but like how foolish, and this guy, good for him, he's like broken the spell, but how foolish are these 108,000, 110,000, whatever it is you want to put up on the scoreboard these days? You got a baseball team in the NLCS, and they're going up there for a whiteout against fucking Minnesota. And I was talking about this to somebody, and I said, how does that happen? How does it happen? How do they How do they just enjoy the mediocrity? How do they do it? How do you do it? You're in, you're out. As an Eagles fan, I'd be like, I'm done. I can't do it. And here's what this person told me. They said, Bomb, here's the issue with Penn State fans. They book the Airbnb, they book the RV, and then the big game comes around, and they're getting ready to get throttled, and it's like they're they're marching up there, and they know they're going to get throttled, but they've accepted it because they already paid the deposit, and they want to go up there and make the most of the weekend. They, they're literally exactly, make the most of the weekend. It's our tradition. This is what we do. We spend three grand to rent an RV and watch our team get throttled by Ohio State. So I thought it was a great point. Um Never considered it, but props to this guy selling the tickets. Whatever you sold them for, hopefully you got a pretty penny. Take that, put it on Ohio State. <laughs> it's like extortion the way the way you got to book uh, book lodging to get up there for a football weekend, right? You got to do it a year in advance. So you, like you said, you, you just got to make the most of it after it's booked. Um, I, think, I think that's deliberate. Yeah. I think that's deliberate. Like there's no reason Marriott couldn't come in and build a fucking tower and the rooms are 85 bucks a night. But then again, you'd be staying in the Airbnb anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing that myself in a couple of weeks here. Uh, I believe I believe we're we're on the books to to go to the Maryland game. Ho- hopefully, we're only at two losses and, and still respectable. But no, Penn State one forty five seventeen in the whiteout. They didn't uh, they didn't follow up the loss with a loss to another shitty team like they did last year when they lost to Illinois. It's my first blemish on my season prediction for Penn State, and that actually hurts my over seven and a half future on uh, the Golden Gophers, but they didn't have Tanner Morgan starting quarterbacks out. It's an inferior opponent in, in that insane environment. Uh, they took care of business, did what they were supposed to do. So uh, let's clap it up for James Franklin and, and Sean Clifford. Uh, really great job, guys. I'm sure the vibes will be just the same this time next week. But uh, the last thing I'll mention about Penn State before we get to our next call, James Franklin does his t- Tuesday presser bomb. I don't know if you caught this. And he does uh, he does his players of the game, and, and then he starts talking about Ohio State, and they have C.J. Stroud, and they have Travion Henderson and Myron Williams, and Smith and Jigba, so on and so forth. 
But he does his player of the games from, from last week. And he starts with uh, Sean Clifford was the offensive player of the game. And he won Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. And he paused and said nothing and stared out into the media for like 10 seconds as if the guy just like made a Heisman Trophy candidacy statement in a game against Minnesota. Uh, just completely disgusting. I, I love everything that, that Chip said in the call. Um, you know, if, if if they come out and shock the world this weekend, then sure, talk, talk your talk next week or, or, or do your little, your, your little clownery at the podium on Tuesday and all that. But Penn State uh, hosts uh, number two Ohio State. I think Penn State's at 13 now, 12 o'clock noon on Fox. Penn State is a 15, 15 and a half point dog at the moment. The one thing I will say, um, because this is a spot just like Chip, just like you, I'd, I'd be ready to make, you know, Ohio State a, a hammer job, right? I, I try to stay steady with the bets, not get too crazy, but like I, I'd go out of my way because I know this team uh, and lay it down. But Penn State has been good against the spread against Ohio State in the last like four or five years. So it's just a word of caution. Uh, they're clearly the inferior team. It's a 12 o'clock game. The whiteout is, is in the past. Um, but we'll see. We'll see when the weekend comes if we have a pick. All right, I got something for for our loyal Penn State fans. If you're going up to Penn State, <clears throat> if you're going up to Penn State this weekend, Chip, I'm thinking of you. You know, you're going up there with with the old lady. You're going up there with the you know the the the, the daughter. Um, you know, you're 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 starting quarterback. The guy that you support, the guy that you book these tickets for, number fourteen, Sean Clifford. You know, I gave you I gave you my my beef with him before the Michigan game. How he's you know doing podcasts and this, that, and the other instead of prepping for the game. Talks about limitless. It's his nine to five, you know, and then he goes to practice. It's tough to do it all in one day. Well, here it is, Ohio State week. I don't know if you saw this, G. He just posted, I bought this fantastic business downtown to continue to build our creative legacy. You can be a part of the community, too. It's a, uh, uh, a company called Studio One, and it's powered by Limitless, okay, is, uh, is uh, bullshit NIL. So here's what you can do. You can get headshots, you, uh, some professional headshots, passport photos, uh, individual family photos. You can get graduation photos. Do you want to do it as an individual, or do you want to do it as a couple uh, and a group? How about event photography, corporate, conferences, PR events, parties, product launches, and more? Lastly, product. Brand, they can do brand consultation, professional styling and sourcing. Um, this Look, I don't want to kill whoever runs this business. I'm a small business guy. I've dabbled in entrepreneurship. So here's what I'll say. We're not going to kill the business. Here's what we'll do. Chip, I'll give you 100 bucks if you book a photo with Studio One Powered by Limitless of you, your wife, the baby, and your 14 jerseys. I'll give you a hundred bucks to pay for the photo. You go to studio one, get the picture, book the whole thing. And then you repost it to your Instagram. You tag Clifford after they lose by 50 and tell them, yeah, you had a great weekend in studio one. <laughs> That's classic. No, it's, and, uh, yeah, p- poor Adam Brenneman got, got caught in the crossfire last week too. <laughs> yeah. You know, let me let me just clear that up. I gotta I gotta apologize to our boy Brenneman. Um, 
it's not his fault that the grifter decided to to do the podcast, you know, during Michigan week. So uh, I was just heated. It was a, it was a, you know, momentary thing. So uh, you know, really, really didn't mean to go off on Adam Brennan. Yeah, we. I, I think it's uh, I think it's understood most of the the things we go off on, the people we go off on. It's it's uh, not an attack of character. It's not it's not a personal attack, uh, except for maybe one guy. I think our our loyal listeners know who that is. And we'll leave it at that. Let's. So we'll we'll, we'll look forward to Penn State Ohio State this weekend. Uh, I mean, I don't know about looking forward, but it's coming. Let's get to our next call. Boys, how are you? Uh, I guess this is just a a quick follow up on a topic that was previously discussed uh, a couple weeks ago about restaurants in the Philadelphia area that have you know are underrated or those that have seen their day. I had the, I should say, the misfortune of revisiting Celebreeze. You know, I, I heard the discussion and, and myself and, and my traveling companion, we said, you know, let's give them another try. Let's give them another shot. Let's, let's try it. And guess what? It is absolute garbage. And, gee, it's, you know, I, I stand in your camp. It was a place of great nostalgia growing up, especially – Years ago, there were there wasn't much down on Packer Avenue. There wasn't much down the, the you know South Philly by the stadium. Now with Xfinity and you know you throw in a casino, this that and the other, more options down there for people. And it is it's a joke what that pizza has become. Like, I wouldn't feed that to the goddamn dog. Oh my god, that's a shame. That's 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 terrible to hear. Well, we hey we we didn't do it. it you know we're, we we didn't. We didn't kill a local business, but let's build up Clifford's. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, but you, you got to call a spade a spade and let the people know. You know, we we brought it up on air that it's a it was a nostalgic place, tradition for me, tradition for you, a pregame ritual, so to speak, down in South Philly. It's not it's not the place to get a slice down there anymore, apparently. No, no. Yeah, I I wanted to give it a a fair shake, and I did that. So, never going back again. All right. Well, we appreciate that 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 PSA. Uh, we'll just we'll just politely say look elsewhere for your pregame meal or your postgame pie, your pregame pie. And we'll go to our last but not least caller uh, on the spot in the shade line this week. And I think I think this guy needs a ruling, Bomb. And I think you'll uh, I think I think you'll like like to give a ruling on this. Hey guys. Uh, calling in, wanted to get started here. First off, uh, just to let you know, I love the show. Been a listener from the beginning. You guys do a great job, not only covering and keeping it real with Philadelphia sports, but with sports in general. Now, the reason I'm calling is this. Despite all the great things happening right now in this city, I've got a bone to pick. Philadelphia needs to move on from Meek Mill's dreams and nightmares. I've never been a fan of this song. But I accepted it during the Super Bowl run. But now it just won't go away. This city has enough songs, including one that's the theme for this postseason run by the Bills. So it's time to give up dreams and nightmares. Anyway, thanks for taking the call, guys. And let's go, Phillies! I don't disagree with that with that take. Like... Dreams and Nightmares was the Eagles thing. It was they ran out of the tunnel in Super Bowl Fifty Two to that song. I think that song 
identifies with that run. And I, I think it just stays there. Like it's, I don't know. It's, it's not an everyday song for me. It's, and the other thing is like, it's such a long song. Like, you know, you can know, you can know the first couple verses or raps, whatever you want to call it. But then it just, it's just too long. Like the, the hype kind of dies out of the song. I, I think, I think it should just stay with that Eagles run. How do you feel about them? I just, I don't, I'd love to hear the other side because I, I could not agree more with the, with this, this brilliant caller. This is a guy, this is a guy, this is why he comes to TFTS. He, he's a rational guy. He accepted it during the Eagles run. It got the, I mean, look, the peak of that song was when they ran out in the Super Bowl. I mean, when they were playing that song in Minneapolis and they're running out on the field, you think I mean, it should, I don't think anyone thought they were going to lose? Yeah, I thought I, I was going to say you think it should have died right there. Should should have ended there. That yeah. should have been it. Um, now the thing, the thing that bothers me about the song as it stands today, is you've got a bunch of soft white folks sitting in the stands. They're 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 like cream cheese, G. Right? They're soft and no good after ten a.m. And they're screaming about the murder game. If you ain't about that murder game, murder game, murder game, like well, you're from Montgomery County, what are we talking? About? <laughs> you know, you know, I'm driving down the Blue Route to come to the game, and I'm screaming about the murder game, the murder game. Yeah, maybe it's. I don't know. I, I don't want to get in get into too much about the song, but maybe we just don't identify with it. Uh, in that light, I I don't know. I, I don't know how to. Uh, say what I'm feeling the right way I guess but I, I it's just like not like it's not a sing-along for me it's 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 yeah. it's not right like you get you get the the beginning is cool and the build up and the hold up wait a minute right like that's cool but then after that like I don't know any of the words and and it just keeps going on and on like again I, I think the call is spot on I think it identifies with the run you'll never forget that that was the song when they ran out of the tunnel and beat the shit out of Tom Brady in the Super Bowl like that's awesome but I don't think it's got to be associated with every run in Philadelphia. I, I totally agree, and uh, I might risk—I might be risking life and limb here. I don't want to call out Meek Mill because he's about that murder game. I'm not, allegedly. Again, not allegedly for me. Not about the murder game. Just be very. Um, but let's not forget, like that song was like you know they played it because the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, blah 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 blah. But like he's boys with. Michael Rubin, uh, the old Sixers owner, now the Fanatics guy. Uh, they're singing the song. He's doing freestyling with the lyrics with Ed Sheeran at Bob Kraft's wedding. Like, okay, like it was great they had the run in, in seventeen and eighteen with the song for the Eagles. But like, Meek, what side are you on here? Like, you want to go do the song for Bob Kraft? Good, leave it up in New England. Is he a Philly guy or is he a grifter? Oh, well, he's with Rubin, so. <laughs> Allegedly, I'm not about the murder game, so I'm not I'm not prepared to, to speak any more about it. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Um, but that, I, I do want to, I guess, when we talk about songs now, we got we got Dancing on My Own, we got Caleb Scott, Callum Scott, the Tiesto remix. How do you feel about this song? All right, so, like, I think it's a good song. Uh, it's been stuck in my head every day. But, but I think it's a good song. It identifies with this run. It's the post-game locker room bottle-popping song for the Phillies. So, 
I'm good with it. I like the song before the run, but you know, you, you hear it a lot. It gets stuck in your head, can wear on you a little bit, but, but now, you know, world series, it's gotta, it's gotta stick. Now let me ask you this. I don't, I don't mean to be the pessimist, but if the Phillies don't win the world series, the song's got to die, right? I think if they win the world series, the song has to die. I think like if a song is associated with a run, it ends with that run. Okay. It has to, um, you know, and you can argue and say, well, you know, Harry Cowes, high hopes, blah, blah. Well, that was Harry's thing. And he was kind of like the voice of the Phillies. Um, and their new announcer doesn't have anything other than like, I don't know, like a flushing toilet after eating too many Schmitters. <laughs> so they had to go with Harry and high hopes. Right. So, but this song has to end with the run win or lose has to end. So that's interesting. I, I, I think if they win, we're, we're definitely going to hear it more. And I don't disagree. Like, we can let it go. It doesn't need to be beat to death, right? Maybe it comes up on shuffle and you, you if you feel nostalgic about the run. But my biggest fear, this is my biggest fear, Bomb, is that, like, next summer, yeah, the Phillies will be playing again, but they lose. And the next summer you're down the shore. And it's late night at, at the bar. And they start pumping that dancing on my own. And everybody's going nuts. Singing along. I can see it right now. You know it's going to happen. Uh, I see. I wasn't even considering that. That's, I was talking. I was talking more about using the song in, in an official capacity by the team. No, I, I'm I'm saying just like in general. Like if they if they lose the World Series and then I'm out at the bar and I hear that song, that's a complete violation. This year or like in future years? I think if they lose and they play the song to like commemorate the run, I think that's fine. You do. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, the season's like if they lose and they just lose the Astros. Like, if they, I mean, if they get swept, fucking keep the goddamn song on your. Yeah, I don't want that on your shit. Well, let's say it's like the Yankees, right? Six game series, they lose. Play the song, crush a beer, think about the good times. That's all well and good. Is this a? But it's is this like a, you? Go ahead. Is this a double standard on the Sixers? And that song. The Sixers. That's an official team song. The Sixers is an official team song. And then, by the way, the Sixers have never made it to a conference championship or an NBA championship in my, in, 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 since, since this song has made a comeback. In this they? era, yeah. True. In this era. They, they, that, song, that song is associated with losing. Fair. That's that's fair. That's fair. I'm I'm just saying what I'm saying because I never hear this. Never heard this song before when I'm out. Like, I've heard this song before, but, you know, it's, it's not a – it's not a late night McGillins, a late night dead dog, a, an OD cool. song, but it, it, it you know it's going to be now. It's in the shuffle from now until the end of time. It's you, oh you're that I didn't know that's what we were talking about because that that horse left the barn like three games ago. Oh no. Well, let's hope they get it done. But I agree. I think I'll I'll give you that with the song because I think and I think this is a good way to kind of wrap the episode. I think we're as long as they don't get swept and embarrassed. Despite not getting it done if they lose, I think this has been a great run, a positive run, something we can look back on and and feel good about, even though the loss would hurt. Um, But it's not like the eighth year in a row where we were supposed to win, right? Like maybe, you know, we went over the luxury tax. We we have all this talent, you know, the pitching, the the hitters, the lineup. But still, like, nobody – Nobody really coined us for for this run or 
you know, ha- had us here, and here we are. So I think it's a, a good spot to wrap it. Whatever happens in this World Series, and, and we'll be back in the midst of it next week, but whatever happens, I think uh, as much as it'll hurt if they lose, it's still something to hold our heads high about and something we'll look back on and remember as a fan like forever, dude. So uh, not not to be too uh, too sentimental about it, but you, we, we try to keep it real here, and I think that's that's a good way to feel about this run. Sentimental G. One minor plug for uh, Halloween. Since the Phils are playing the Astros, uh, if, if you live near one of those party cities that exists in a former department store or wherever the hell it is, you see the memes online, go out and get yourself an Oscar the Grouch outfit. Climb in the trash can and put a Phillies hat on. That is the costume of the fall classic. Wow. There you have it, folks. Well, that'll do it. That puts a bow on episode... 67 of thoughts from the shade we'll thank everybody for listening we'll ask you once again to share this podcast with one person two people that don't know about it that you think might like it it's more fun when we got more people involved um we'll leave it at that let's go phils we got the eagles back this weekend hosting the steelers let's grab some wins and we'll talk about it again next week have a great week everybody